0: All right, so, thanks for coming out tonight, everybody. Does everybody know each other? Let's go around just just introduce yourself real quick. I'm Monty Steele. Monty, Is my Gina. Um, and Steve. And your name, sir? I'm sorry, what? Would you introduce yourself, please?
1: Excuse
0: myself. <laughs> introduce. <laughs> Introduce.
1: Oh, introduce. Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is John. I'm hard of hearing. <laughs> and I have my, my new hearing aid up to maximum. So.
0: We'll keep it lively then. We'll keep yeah. it loud.
1: So, everyone support the voice from the diaphragm. <laughs> I don't, but please do. We will. We will. Okay, good.
0: Um,
2: diction, diction, diction. Yes, exactly.
0: So, um, I brought this book out to go over the eight limbs tonight. Um, this is a, a friend of mine in Hawaii who wrote this. This is called True Yoga, and this is, I think, the best book that outlines the eight limbs. So, um, if you're not familiar, the eight limbs are um, from Patanjali's or Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. So, the Yoga Sutras are kind of the uh, classical, uh, authoritative text on conventional yoga. So for thousands of years, there were a lot of very uh, kind of like um, Old Testament type of writings in India, the Upanishads and the Vedas. Patanjali came along and wrote about them and said, uh, because there were a lot of questions left over. There was a lot of like matter of fact stuff in those scriptures. It was a lot of like, um, well, this this is what God is and this is what God isn't. And this is what you, you know. What you should be trying to achieve in your life so it set out the path in terms of um, the goal but it didn't give much instruction in the way of how to get there so it gave you all the why but um really the only thing that it explicitly said um i mean this is totally generalizing by the way because they're worth reading especially the upanishads i'm reading through them right now and i think they're awesome um but They talk about meditation. They're like, well, this is, you know, you should meditate to get to this point. But that's as deep as it goes into what they mean by meditation. Of course, now in our current era, we know a little bit more about what meditation means because we have a conventional kind of uh, cultural context for the term meditation. But at the time this was written, um, not this book particularly, but the Yoga Sutras themselves, it was anywhere from 200 BC to 200 AD within that window, most historians agree. Of course, there's other outliers that you may find. Um, And Patanjali was kind of this brilliant guy who came along and codified how you can do all the things the Upanishads and the Vedas were talking about doing. So that was the brilliance, and that is why it's such a seminal work in the tradition of yoga, is because it was the first time that really gave us the ability to say how to do all these things. Hi! How are you?
3: Doing well,
1: how are
0: you? Right, Good, to see you. This is Danielle. Danielle, this is John. John? Steve. Hello, is Danielle.
4: Danielle. Danielle,
1: pleased to make your uh-huh. Steve. Janus.
4: Uh-huh.
1: And Mati. Mati. Mati? The book you're talking about, this true yoga house, is the one that's from 200? No, so Yoga Sutras. The Yoga, yoga Sutras sutra. are the
0: original okay. codifying text. Of how to achieve the goal of yoga, and so in a traditional sense, the goal of yoga is to find liberation, and liberation from suffering is kind of the parochial definition, but it's it's kind of a greater idea than that because they talk about how it's a liberation beyond our understanding. Um, That aside, the reason I did bring this book though tonight is because this is a modern take on. The eight limbs so the yoga sutras talk a lot about a lot of different things but one of the things it's most famous for is that it brings Ashtanga yoga which Ashtanga is Sanskrit for eight limbs the eight-limbed path so if you've heard yoga teachers say you know yoga is a lot more than just about the poses and if you, I know some of y'all been to the Yamas and Niyamas um, songs, And so those are the first two. You've started reading this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you really? I
2: have.
0: Oh, cool. How far are you into it?
2: I finished the yamas.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, the first part. You finished the first part? Yeah, I just In started okay. the miyamas. Yeah, because I was talking about this during the Niyamas too, right? Yeah, I really can't say enough about this because I love that she, at the end of each section, creates a little practicum. So there's a daily practice there's questions for further reflection, and there's affirmations to post and remember. And so I thought that we would kind of go through the eight limbs at a cursory glance and maybe look at some of these questions and see if there's any practical application to our lives. Or, And actually, um, when we did the Satsang on Love, you were you were really astute about making sure that what we were talking about was like grounded, not just in theory, but in practicality. So um, you were an inspiration for me bringing this tonight, so thank you. Yeah, um, so the eight limbs um, and, but be sure to hear me say that the yoga sutras themselves are um, very short in comparison to the Upanishads and the Vedas and the purpose of them they're written in ways that are supposed to be unpacked by a teacher that being said, it says a lot in a very sh- succinct way so the eight limbs is just kind of one little section of the sutras and the sutras are not necessarily a linear text. So if you ever try to read the sutras themselves, which I always, always, always recommend, because this is a great jumping off point, but if you really want to understand something, always go to the source. Always, always go to the source. Now that's tough because it's not written in the same language that most of us speak unless you can translate Sanskrit. But I have some- Do you
1: read Sanskrit?
0: No, but I do have some good recommendations of some good translations. Okay. Because I've read several. Um, But I would, top of the list would be Reverend Jagannath Carrera. So if you just look up C-A-R-R-E-R-A, he would be my favorite one because the way he goes through it, it's a very traditional way, but it's also kind of um, leveraged against the Christian Western philosophy of spirituality in the Gnostic sense. And he also unpacks it in a nonlinear way. He impacts it in a way that Satchinanda, his teacher, kind of taught him. Which makes a little bit, makes a different sense than if you read them straight through. So if you read them straight through like I've done before, you can be kind of like, okay. But the way he tracks it out is is kind of a nice um, sentiment.
5: Spell his name again.
0: Carrera, C-A-R-R-E-R-A. Carrera. Jaganath. It's actually Reverend Jaganath. It's J A G A N A T H. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the other one I would recommend is Gregor Male. Um, he's my other favorite sutra translator. M A E H L E. He's uh, he's a yoga teacher down in Australia. H L E.
1: And the first name is.
0: Gregor, G R E G O R.
3: Thank you. Hi. I'm just holding the table right just here. Just lift so it, it like this. Lie. Power
0: press it. <laughs> we we're
1: trying to do this more inconspicuous. Um, yes. we, are just we busted. You're so busted stealing Sorry. our table.
0: Okay, so let's get let's get into it. So the yamas. Let's do a refresher on the yamas, and what I like to do is kind of go over them in a way where I mean we can do it however you want to do it. But what I was thinking, if this works for you, so we'll kind of just say what the general definition is of each and then kind of go back and if there's any questions because it does get murky just just to kind of go ahead is it it gets murky and maybe I should preface it by saying that there is an unspoken and oftentimes spoken understanding in yoga that certain knowledge is only for initiate initiated students. Um, and so the later limbs of yoga When I first learned them, I had that experience with them. I was like, I have no idea what they mean. Like, I understand that this is the term of what this means, but what do they really mean? And it hasn't been until the last few years that I feel like I've started to come into a place where some of those things have found definition for me. Um, So if it's, it can be murky and it may lead to more questions than answer for you, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either because... If we all walked out of here tonight with like this feeling of like well that settles it (laughs) (laughs) then then the sutras wouldn't really be doing their job i really wouldn't be doing my job and you wouldn't be doing your job either so
4: well i'm actually curious i don't know if you guys talked about this before i arrived but what uh what do you guys want to get out of this like what's your purpose for being here and or learning more about the yamas and niyamas did we talk about that
0: no, because we have a lot to talk about, so I wanted to just kind of cut right into the material. But we can do that. Well, I didn't know because I didn't I know how do, how do
4: we cut into material if we don't really know. You know, I just wasn't, wasn't sure what. Uh, right. You know. Well, I
0: guess. Do you guys want to learn about the eight limbs? We don't have to talk about the eight limbs if that's not what you're here for.
4: Well, no, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering, like, what? Like, is there something like in your life, or is it like just general knowledge? Or you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of curious as to like. Why You guys are curious as, as to it. I mean, I, I know what it is for me, so I, I don't know. Well, why don't you tell us what it is for you? So for me, um, uh, the deeper that I've gone into the yamas and niyamas, um, the more I've seen these spiritual principles in other areas of life. Mm-hmm. But specifically, I am trying to learn more about the yamas and niyamas just to have like this sort of... Um, almost in a way a different language to speak because I see the principles um, and, and the underlying truths of them in so many other areas. And yet there's you know, I, I work in the yoga community. Um, and so I'm just trying to deepen my knowledge and understanding from the uh, sort of uh, ancient Sanskrit uh, uh, particular language, you know, and, and meanings and um verbiages. So so for me that's my uh my So you want to
0: learn about the Niyamas and Yamas specifically with the eight limbs to Okay.
4: Well, and I will ta- the eight limbs—that's a—that's a general for going into the yamas and niyamas. That also applies to the eight limbs of yoga generally. But um, since we're talking about going diving into the not yamas and niyamas, then um, that's why I said that one in particular. So I know what
1: a sutra is, but I have no idea what a yama or a niyama. Is.
0: Okay. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so, does anybody feel called to just say what you want to learn tonight, or why you're here? Word. Yeah, sure, I
6: mean, for, for, I'm a fairly new student, I was, uh, I was kind of drawn to yoga because I needed some balance in my life, um, and just the physical part of yoga has really been, made some fairly profound changes in, in uh, several areas of my life, and uh, I, I didn't know a thing about it, outside of the poses. That sort of thing. And one of my teachers was was talking about this, and, and how the, the physical aspects of yoga were only a little piece of yoga. And I thought, wow, well, well, you know, if 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 the uh, uh, where brought where brought me to, to this point has had such a big effect on me, maybe I should learn some more about really what yoga is. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know anything. About Cool. I'm, I'm a, blank, a blank slate right
0: now. So well, and there, there is a lot of material, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll see how far we can go with it. Jeannie, do you have. Okay. See?
5: Uh, I just to agree with you that I came to Yoga knowing that there was more out there, and so the more I read about the more it makes sense. So I continue to get deeper and deeper into it, and <clears throat> it really explains a lot of stuff that has been sort of. Not related to yoga, but just related to life. Mm-hmm. So it's a good structure to think about uh, how you lead your life.
3: basically.
1: Well, let's see. My interest is well, a lot of a lot of different things all in, all combined in one. Um, I like learning generally. Uh, I used to attend a song up in Denver that was completely spiritual had nothing to do with yoga at all, but with meditation, exclusively. Uh-huh. So the first time I saw Satsang, I was thinking, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> no, I don't, and that's fine, <laughs> but I like learning. And um, I've been doing yoga for about 13 months now. And uh, I, even as a kid, I had an interest in Hinduism. And uh, the, the idea of Brahman, you know, the divine, the Kundi, and the me, and everything living, and even inorganic, I mean, it's very egalitarian and practice in a society with a rigid system, And my spiritual journey being raised by an atheist and agnostic is I'm now 56, and so I'm Quaker, but mostly I'm learning about Christianity because so much of what's taught in Christian churches doesn't make
3: sense. And I go to the Bodhi Mind
1: Center, so I'm kind of Buddhist in a way too, so I'm more Buddhist Quaker than anything. And there's still the interest in the Hinduism, and learning more about yoga generally, you know, both in terms of its spiritual side as well as, you know, pragmatic applications. So I've heard of the Vedas and read, I don't remember, if I've read any of these kind of shows, I've heard of them, haven't. And a friend of mine, he does obviously yoga, gave me this article about Catholic school to make changes in yoga classes where in Kansas, what they're going to do is they're going to focus on this physical exercise, not spiritual or cultural cult- elements within a Catholic school. Quoting the Reverend here, It is a mind and body practice developed under Hinduism. The goal of which is spiritual purification that will lead to a higher level of understanding and eventually union with the divine. (laughs) Now, when I hear that, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) But the (laughs) reverend's not listening to himself because he goes on. It is for these reasons that Catholics are alerted to the dangers of the practice of yoga and encouraged to look for other exercise alternatives that do not incorporate a spiritual dimension. I'm not kidding. This is out of in Kansas. I need to get copies of this. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm gonna that. photocopy that, but I just read it going, does the reverend not hear himself?
4: Yeah. Mm. I might have to. Yeah. I have to write this. Take a note on this afterwards. Then. So. Yeah,
1: well, if you guys have a, if you guys have a photocopy machine, feel free to make a copy. I, anyway, I've overshared. This is why I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Should we dive in? Are there any other questions? Okay. Cool. So, uh, we'll start off with the Yamas and Niyamas. They are basically the moral code, as we've touched on. Um, There's five of each. So, they're basically the Ten Commandments of Yoga. The Yamas are known as the moral code of how one should treat others. And it is also known as the Great Vow. So, if the Yamas are not followed, yoga cannot happen. So, Yamas are the most, first and foremost, important thing for yoga to happen. So it's very significant that we consider the other before we consider ourselves, which happened to be what the niyamas are. So the niyamas are a code of five objectives that are basically a personal ethic of how to treat thyself and to learn about thyself and also to gain autonomy. So they're kind of outlined, I guess, what would maybe seem familiar if you're you know in any religious experience in your past um the yamas of course are non-violence what else non-stealing so, tell,
3: tell, the the truth.
0: Truth. tell the truth do you remember don't hoard yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so non-hoarding
1: okay yamas are y-a-m-a-s yeah like like Lord Lama
0: of death? Yeah, Yama is okay. the so Lord right, of death, so yes. And it means restraint. So that's how that correlation comes from... And
1: Niyama is N-I-Yama?
0: Niyama, yeah. Okay. So it means against, yeah. Against restraint or with, within restraint. Um, so I, I think it's pretty obvious like that we need to have a moral code of how we treat other people, right? And that, I think that's a beautiful aspect of yoga is that it starts with essentially what felt to me when I found it like a instruction manual for life because I was, you know, introduced to Catholicism when I was young but it didn't didn't come out right in the way of where I was, it didn't ever link up where my appetite for that was met with that teaching when I was in that world, if that makes sense. Really Nothing against Catholicism; it just didn't it didn't find me at the right time. Perhaps I don't know what it was. Um, yoga did, though. And so the yamas and niyamas are very personal. They're important and they're lifelong. So we'll come back to that stuff um, unless there's any questions before I move on. Do you have questions about the yamas and niyamas? I mean, it's I, I would say, I would ask you, do you think it's interesting that the, the most important thing about yoga is something that you don't see practiced actively on the yoga mat? Like, we think of yoga as, like, postures and breath. But really, it takes a very experienced practitioner to move through the postures and breath in a way that is following the moral and ethical code of the yamas and niyamas. And the other kind of profound and sublime thing about it is it gives us a way to practice yoga off the mat in all ways because we can't be at the grocery store and stepping in to grab a can of beans off the shelf and a way or two you know maybe we can I don't know <laughs> but that's not the point of what we do on the mat the point is what we do on the mat carries over into the way in which we perform actions in the world and when those actions are performed with right intention the, the idea is that there's an understanding in the yoga view that it is a sacrifice everything we do whether you choose to engage or whether you choose to not engage, you're still acting and every action is a sacrifice so therefore the argument is, the yogic argument is if everything is a sacrifice then why not allow it or why not choose it to be a form of worship and so this actually is kind of karma yoga and this is the basis of karma yoga everything we've been talking about around the studio this week
2: yeah, but a lot of times too what we come to the mat with so what from life does come to the mat yeah um, when you know when you're having more stressful days the po- postures aren't as easy yes. as they are when you've had a more peaceful day or you know
0: <laughs> say more about that
2: It's just, you know, the tensions and the stress, you know. Mm -hmm. I can tell when I come to the mat, you know, how my day has been, truly. Yes. You know, even if I don't want to admit it to myself, you know, my body knows, you know. Um, Yeah. So, you know, the hips are tighter, you know, the the shoulders are tighter, Mm -hmm. your, your shoulders are up in your ears, you know. We can't get them come down. <laughs> yeah. And well. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there there is a practice both on and off, even yeah. in your physicality.
0: And when we're when we don't have the postures, and the breath to be the gauge for how we are coping with life stresses, at least when we're off the mat and we don't have that ability to tap into those techniques we still have somewhat of a template and a boundary within the yamas and yamas. So that's why it's really important to understand that.
4: One thing that's interesting for me to, to hear um, both what you said, Austin, and I'm sorry, what's your name? Gina. Gina. With, and to hear what you said, Gina. So I actually, um, I usually try to meditate most mornings. And I actually, instead of sometimes my um, physical practice of the asanas, reflecting like how my day has been like when I um as as part of like starting um and I did this a while ago but when I started meditating first thing in the morning I actually started to realize that sometimes even how my day is gone is actually a reflection of how I started doing before I even got out of bed if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. at all like because of how my mind like suddenly like some days I wake up and I just meditate and it just just easy or whatever and then some days it's like hard to focus, it's hard to I can feel myself moving in my mind, moving from a different place and then suddenly, now as I go throughout the rest of the day and the day seems off balance too I realize that that started with me you know, and, and it allows me to have a kind of different reflection on on anything that might be happening. <laughs> well,
0: and what you're talking about in a, in a large in a broad sense is the way we poise ourselves into the world the way in which we direct ourselves, right and so it does start with yamas niyamas but then it really what we're talking about now is the third limb is asana so asana which a lot of people pronounce asana which I did for like a year after I did teacher training so just know that asana (laughs) is not correct but um, asana is a beautiful instrument that allows us to engage with our students in a way where we can teach and learn from them as teachers so like like Danielle was saying, meditation is... And here's, here's kind of the, the man behind the curtain with yoga, right? The wizard behind the curtain. Everything, in a sense, to lead us to that liberation happens within. And the main mode or technique in which we achieve that is through meditation. But there is a pathway to get to that meditation in a way where... And there's a lot of yoga teachers talk about this. If you learn to meditate wrong, it can be a lot more damaging because it's so difficult to undo the ways in which we've neurologically patterned our brain to meditate lazily or incorrectly or negatively or self-loathingly or however it may be. We'll talk more about what proper yogic meditation is, at least in a tantric sense, a little bit later on, but the beauty of asana isn't just about getting the body healthy and starting to change and experience all these things anew, which that is a huge aspect of it as well. But it gives the teacher a litmus to be able to witness how in fact that meditation is beginning to take root in the student. Because of the way they're aware or unaware of their body is apparent to the teacher. Now if I'm sitting here meditating and I teach you several techniques, I have no idea how it is going within your mind because there's no indicators physically, right? That's the beauty of asana is it is a moving meditation that allows us to witness as teachers if the student is actually on the right track or not. If they're practicing with the himsa, which is the first yama, which is nonviolence, they're not hurting their body. They're not forcing things. So the, the, the sutras, like I said, are succinct. There's only three sutras on asana which is really ironic. There's so there's four padas, which are books. In each pada there's about I believe forty eight sutras. So what is that, you know, like hundred and fifty some sutras in total? Three sutras on the asanas. That's profound compared to the way conventionally Western yoga is practiced. Because ninety percent of the way we do yoga in America is asana. Yet there's only there's only three guidelines from the that kind of the deepest source of where asana comes from. So the question becomes though what then does Patanjali say about asana? And the the really famous one is sthira sukham asanam. So have you heard this one? Yeah. So sthira sukham asanam. Asana is perfected when and there's that word again, <laughs> Perfection. Watch out. Is when the asana is performed with equal balance of effort and ease. Or steadiness and freedom. There's a lot of different ways that it's defined.
1: No, I get that immediately in yoga because within the first few times of doing yoga, like you know, session five or six or whatever, I found myself going, Wow, this is really amazing. This is simultaneously, it's exercise and I'm stretching, and therefore it's fatiguing physically, and yet it's also relaxing and energizing all at the same time.
0: Well, a lot of people think that, you know, because yoga can build strength, it can build balance, it can build flexibility, it can build body awareness, um, just to start. But one of, the, one of the really, really intrinsically unique things about yoga that I don't know if any other thing does, at least as well, is it tones the neural system? So the neurons in the body, the nerves are in yoga. They're called nadis. So they carry the current of electrical energy through the body. They carry the prana through the body. The so prana. The prana. They carry the prana yeah, through the body. What's
1: the the, the word that's not nerve? Oh, nadis. It's nadi.
0: It's N-A-D-I. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And nadi is. Uh, there's, you know, some texts say there's 72,000 naughties, Some say there's 700,000. That's like saying how many nerves are in the body. Every body is unique. You know, your nerves not only function different into your body than mine, but they communicate with your brain differently. Your brain communicates with them differently. Where does pain start? Is it in the nerves? Is it in the brain? Is it somewhere in between? We really don't know. Like, the, the cutting-edge scientists, ha- that is like where the conundrum of the way in which we're dealing with suffering in Western medicine, medicine lies is the neural system. We know of ways that we can take medicines that are shut it off, but we don't know ways that can tone it. And what I mean by toning it is the way in which yoga can awaken your sensibilities around something so subtle within the body. And it, it is, in fact, referred to as the subtle body. So the nadis the nervous system, all the energy that moves in, or the life force, all synonymous with the subtle body.
2: Okay. My um, my dad has uh, Alzheimer's, and he doesn't communicate. And a couple weeks ago, he was acting like he was in severe pain, mm-hmm. and crying, cringing, just like he was, you know, so we took him to the emergency room. Yeah. Of course, he can't talk to us, but you know they—they they did CAT scans, X-rays from head to toe, you know all the blood work. There was no nothing physically wrong with him. There was nothing they could find that would be causing him that pain, and it's—it's it's all up here. And my mom couldn't understand how the brain was doing. That. You know, because like you said, you know, we have medicines that shut off. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave them three doses of morphine, and it didn't stop the pain. Yeah. You know, so I mean, what we do with our brain? I mean, that just shows. You know, like for me, you know, it's like. Oh yeah. That's that's a power. It's the mother load. I mean, it's yeah. the mother
0: computer. You know, the motherboard.
2: Yeah. You know. The,
0: well, and that's, ultimately, the great liberation, that, this road, the eight limb path, leads to ultimately prepares the mind it's like yoga is like jedi training it gets you to the point where you eventually overcome these physical this suffering i mean that is the point of yoga is a twofold path in that sense where it's trying to relieve the suffering in your life and at the same time also trying to spiritually awaken you which is such a beautiful metaphor that like Those two things are two wings of the same bird, you understand? The ways in which we are spiritually ignorant are proportionally equal to the ways in which we may be suffering, whether we have a clear indication of like, oh, I hurt my knee running or I have no idea why my elbow is doing this weird thing. So asana is the tipping in point past intention. Asana becomes obviously very important to us in this, especially in this epoch of human evolution and I guess the next step would be, well what what does asana lead to? So what if I do asana like 8 hours a day? What if I've got all the flexibility I've got all the balance I've got all the strength that I could possibly gain from yoga that's not the point. So the point of yoga asana is not to get your head up your own butt which sometimes may seem counter <laughs> counterintuitive to what we are shown a lot of times in the yoga media. Um, the purpose is to cleanse and tone again the subtle body. Why? Why do we want the subtle body to be clean? So we can practice pranayama and this is the fourth limb. okay. So pranayama is again we're using that word again, Yama, John, the Lord of death, restraint. It is control of the breath, or control of the life force. And that's
1: the fourth one, the pranayama? Yes. yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. And pranayama is progressive as well. Pranayama is um, cumulative and progressive, actually. So meaning that when you start a pranayama practice, you're not going to just dive into certain practices because just like the meditation it can be damaging to you so the forefathers of yoga were very mindful about the fact that when humans enter the forest at the wrong entry point boy do we not like to turn around we like to see that puppy all the way until the boat sinks you know what I'm saying so they were very mindful to make sure that the path especially through the ancient Hatha yoga texts and tantric texts lay it out very specifically So as we get through kind of the eras of the scriptures of yoga, like I was saying, the Upanishads and Vedas laid out why you would care about being a spiritual being. This tells you how, but then it, like I said, will bring up a lot of questions. Hatha and Tantra are really the ways in which it gets into what the Buddha said is, there's 82,000 ways to enlightenment. And you realize the context of that statement was because at the time he believed there were 82,000 people in the world. Meaning he believed there were as many paths to enlightenment as there were people in the world. So the big thing before we move on to, from pranayama is that in a traditional sense, when you are in a yoga class and your teacher goes, okay, we're going to breathe in for a three count or we're going to breathe out for a six count. And they may call that pranayama, know that pranayama in a traditional sense only starts when we practice kumbhaka so kumbhaka with a k is breath restraint so that is when so there's four parts to the breath we have inhale exhale and then the inhale restraint and the exhale restraint okay so it is said that when we are in a point of breath retention that that is the only time where we actually step out of this dream of finitude. When we stop dying. So if you could spend the rest of your life holding your breath per se, right? Like a kid always says, Well I'm gonna hold my breath till I get my way, you know, it kind of comes back to that whole thing. And and I mean it's a big practice. Like there's there's some serious practitioners. Like one of my teachers, there was a time when he was studying in India that when he added it all up, the retentions he was doing, he was holding his breath for like three and a half hours a day. Which is insane, you know. It's like he would Just a do these kumbakas, and but it's there's something to be said when you see these yogis who are like in their fifties and sixties, and they have control over the faculties in ways that are completely unexplained. Just like your father's, his his lack of control is completely unexplained. Um, in fact, it goes all the way to the point of death. There is a there's a thing known as um, mahatavar samadhi which is when somebody chooses at the time of their own death and leaves their own body and that is somebody who could only be a master of pranayama could choose that because they have to be a master of the life force within the body so you have you know your eyes your nose your mouth your ears your genitals and your anus these are the points of your body that are leaking energy that are leaking pranayama your whole life so
1: the nine gates yes the nine
0: gates are where the energy according to yoga, are leaking out of the body and we're unconscious about it, we're unaware of it. So pranayama teaches us how to control the life force and teaches us then how to stop it from leaking. Then there's the next step. Once we've achieved that and in a very methodical way, um, that by the way, pranayama is the first thing in yoga where they say, always should be taught by a teacher. Once you start doing kumbhaka breath retentions for over ten seconds, that's pranayama. Anytime you're holding breath for over ten seconds, should be done under guidance of an experienced teacher. Pratyahara is what pranayama leads to. This is the fifth limb of yoga. So pratyahara. Do you know what pratyahara is, vaguely? Do you remember what pratyahara is, Daniel? No. Okay. So pratyahara is control of the senses, or turning inward of the senses so this is the first step of a proper tantric meditation so we have five senses right some would say six but let's start with five and how do we turn them inward we use what's called mudras what does mudras mean what is a mudra It's usually a hand gesture right can also be defined as a lock so we use certain locks to turn the senses inward because one of the things that yoga is predicated upon is that all that we need to move along the spiritual path is within us and in fact at a certain point it is important and necessary to leave the teacher to leave the tutelage of a teacher and finally cross they can lead you through the threshold but they cannot cross through the threshold with you you must do that upon your own inner authority and that is, that is when the Bible comes in and says, know thyself. That is the same thing. It's saying, so self-efficacy and autonomy. So there's really cool techniques like, um, you know, binding the sense of the eyes. We can do um, Shambhava Mudra, where we stare at the tip of the nose. Or we can do um, the one where we stare at the third eye. Usually with the eye lids closed, because that also starts to dampen the senses. Um Sense of smell. Traditionally, they would burn sandalwood during the meditation or engage mula Bandha. So this is the bandhas. I know we're getting into a lot of stuff, but the bandhas are the place in which the subtle body and the physical body unite. This is the this is the really cool place where the two of them combine. So mula Bandha is engagement of the PC muscle, the pubocoxogius, which is right in between the anus and the genitals and so it's like a uh, it's a tough muscle thing to learn about but we a lot of times teachers will just kind of generally say like you know clench your butt stop this flow of p stream it's like that's how it starts that's how you start to localize it and then eventually you can engage that pc muscle without having to do either of those this is the
1: connection of the subtle body and the physical body Oh, subtle and visceral.
0: Physical. Oh, physical. Physical, yes. Which visceral? Same thing. Okay,
1: and the subtle body is the same as the bliss body? or No.
0: Subtle body is called the pranamaya kosha. This is just the energetic body. This okay. is the body that's just affected by breath. So you actually have five bodies. That's the koshas. We're actually going to talk about that next month. Okay. The satsang next month.
1: I have it on my calendar. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about chakras, vayus, and koshas next month. So I don't want to get too much into that. But mula Bandha is the way we turn in the sense of the nose. And that actually makes sense. Right? Because, I mean, why does it make sense? You're nodding, right? So physical yeah, we, and we Yeah. Exactly. With the breathing. The breathing. Yeah.
1: Question. Yeah. So subtle and physical body join at the first chakra?
0: They join with the bandhas. They join at the mulabanda. The mulabanda happens to be at the same place of the first chakra. Okay. Yes.
1: B-H-A-N-D-A?
0: B-A-N-D-H-A. D-H-A,
1: okay. H-9-8. D-H-A, yeah. Okay. Thank you.
0: The H always gets tricky. Okay. So then we can bind our ears, the sense of our ears, by... Um, Um, japa mantra which is the most powerful form of mantra japa mantra is internally chanted mantra so like a very simple one for a tantra meditation you could um, call out the sounds of the bija aksharams the the sounds of the chakras so you could just say lam inside and just hear that and then that turns the attention of the ears by the way all on the same vagal nerve sensor stops at the anus starts at the ears moves through every major organ in the body Um, let's see Taste. We would do jiva banda. So you take your tongue and you fold it back. And there's this. I mean, there's a long story about each one of these, and it's just such beautiful lore, and it's so thoughtful and so wonderful. But the first step to really get into meditation is pratyahara, and so it's understanding that the way in which we fall into. Remember the vrittis. Did we talk about the vrittis? The way we fall into false perception is by relying on our senses. So let me give you the example of the, the Buddhas, the five blind monks who go into the woods and they come upon something and one says, oh, it's a piece of paper. And other says, no, 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 this is a tree stump. And this says, no, this is actually a rope. And is says, actually, it's a snake. Come to find out, the five blind monks are touching an elephant. The tree trunk is the foot. The paper is the ear. The snake is the trunk. The rope is the tail, right? So our senses deceive us. And so when we turn them in and we can bring them into full faculty towards the same focus point or loci, they actually become super attuned to the point where we can become concentrated with them. And this is the sixth limb, which is dhyana. So dhyana, it's d-h-y-a-n-a, and my Sanskrit is horrible. So it's (laughs) like if you heard heard Suzanne say it, she would say it right, but I just say Diana, you know, kind of whatever. Sorry. Um, The next three, the next three, I'm just going to give you the next three because the next three all come together. So the sixth is Diana, that's concentration. Once concentration is performed purely over a distinct period of time, it then turns into a different thing. It becomes meditation or contemplation which is dharana, D-H-A-R-A-N-A. And again, once dharana is performed without interruption over a specific amount of time, it becomes Samadhi. Samadhi is S-A-M-A-D-H-I. And a lot of times people think Samadhi is kind of the goal of yoga, but Samadhi is the tool to achieve the goal of yoga. So again, goal of yoga, Liberation. Liberation from what suffering as we know it, but much, much greater of a, of a state of grace than one could ever imagine from where we are poised right now. Now, understand this about samadhi. Samadhi is loosely defined as absorption, bliss, ecstasy. You'll hear a lot of different definitions for samadhi. It's basically because, in reality, we have westernized the concept of samadhi. It's very complex it's actually there's eight different levels of samadhi so i guarantee all of you have achieved the first level of samadhi but i can also pretty much guarantee none of you have achieved the eighth level of samadhi and i don't know anybody who ever has but that's a beautiful thing about yoga is that like it doesn't just it doesn't sell itself short it definitely aims high which is good, right? Because humans are capable of much more than we ever ask ourselves to do anyway. So we might as well. But the first stage of samadhi, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but just to give you a, an aspect of what the spectrum looks like, first stage of samadhi is simply understanding the innate nature of something so distinctly that it is it is known to you in spite of yourself. Meaning you know about that object, whatever it may be, without any prejudice, without any discrimination or prior bias. So an example of this was, and all Pada Three in the Sutras is all about Samadhi. It's all about, if you do Samadhi on the moon, this is what you will gain, this is the insight you will gain. Because what the great seers and sages noted is that when we do Samadhi on sacred objects, we don't just learn about the moon. We learn about ourselves. We learn about how that exists within us and what that actually means. And we gain certain things called cities. S-I-D-D-H-I. A city is a basically like an occult power, like a mystical power. And this is usually when people fall off the path because they start to gain powers that the ego craves and cannot um, deny itself for the ultimate achievement.
1: Right, because you'd rather have mystical powers than actually continue on the path and achieve union with the divine, right? Exactly. And that's it. If only I could be facetious.
3: <laughs>
0: right. Um, so, it is also important to note that when the three are used together, so you've got dharana or dhyana dharana and samadhi when they're used together it's a meditation technique called samyama samyama again that word coming up to yama
1: okay dhyana d h y a n a yeah combined with samadhi combined with
0: dharana so the 6th 7th and 8th step of yoga when all three of them are practiced together it is known as the technique of samyama and everything samyama samyama s a m Y-A-M-A. So everything up to this point, it's not that we abandon um, yamas. It's not that we abandon yamas. It's like a Mendelbrot set. Are you familiar with the Mendelbrot set? Yeah? So Mendelbrot set is a geometrical fractal that no matter how far you zoom in or zoom out, it eventually repeats the pattern. So if you zoom in 10x, all of a sudden you're looking at the same picture. And if you zoom in 10 more x, all of a sudden it becomes the same picture and ad infinitum. That's the same thing with the toolkit of yoga. When I'm doing asana, I'm still doing yama, niyama, I'm still doing pranayama, and I'm still doing pratyahara and samyama, the final three limbs of yoga. When I'm performing pranayama, I'm still doing yama, niyama, asana, but now the emphasis is just on this thing. And then same thing, when I'm doing meditation, when I'm doing a deep meditation, I have to hold posture in a certain way to allow the energy to move through the body in a integral way, I still need to breathe in a way that supports and sustains this over long periods of time because Samyama is not for the faint of heart. Um, I mean, Jesus achieved Samyama when he went and did his you know, meditation, his 40 days in the desert. Um, and for one instance, I'm sure he achieved it many, many times. And that's, a yogi would say, well, yeah, Jesus was a yogi. How do you think he walked on water? It was a city he gained from just being so in tune with that which was and so our senses again they give us a false perception of what is once we get ourself out of the way meaning once we get our relationship of how we prefer things to be because of our fear of aversion and our craving for desire once we're completely unbiased about the way things are we can start to glean knowledge that is inherent within things so it's said that the yogis knew all these things like the distance to the sun, the distance to the moon. They, they had all these insights that they had no tools to know otherwise. Despite all that, the beauty of it is that it gives us a chance to meet ourselves in a new way and in a profound way. So remember, it's important that we only perform Samyama on sacred objects so we should never perform samyama on like an object of desire like if i want to you know seduce a woman that would be an ill use of these focuses but the moon is a sacred object the chakras are a sacred object god is a sacred object the sun is a sacred object most things found in nature are sacred objects so we're not in we're not for lack of abundance with things to learn from in the found world and within the internal world so that is kind of the big picture of the eight limb path so it's like that's why you know you hear this thing of like yoga is about so much more and that's why yoga teacher training or these kinds of things can be so life-changing for people because all of a sudden you're looking at the world in a way where you're like wow it's all connected and though you may have had an instincts an intuition or a familiarity to that knowledge, what this does is it gives you a template and a filter to use that empowers your experience with it and your experience with your own inner authority. So, that's a lot, a lot of information. That's why I was chippy, I was like, oh my God, we got a lot to cover. But, um,
4: forget why you're here. <laughs> forget why you're here. <laughs> you gotta get into it. <laughs>
0: So, I, so that is the base level of Samadhi. The highest level of Samadhi, as you were alluding to, is a everlasting union with what you might call God, or they call Brahman, or what some yogis would call um, unconditional love.
1: I just say the divine so we can all define for ourselves individually because I think that connection is individual.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, it is so individual. Um, and this is a tough one because, you know, with an atheist... You know, I don't know where we go with that because it's like some can concede to a higher power, and some are like, I have a friend who's a naturalist. And he's just like, nope. It can like all a, be explained I with science. APS,
1: I've been one yeah. In which case, compassion or love is my God, and the universe is my higher power. Right. So, yeah. And energy. i heard, I heard someone who was raised in, with a religion that she couldn't subscribe to, and she said, Is energy okay? I said, Sure, why not? Energy exists. Energy is real.
0: Yeah, and, and and so here is here is the ultimate foundation for the sutras is that we are ignorant to the fact that we are already that love and, and we I find have it a lost it. How
1: ironic us. how moral and ethical many atheists are compared to those who go to church or yeah. temple
5: or whatever. Yeah, I heard an interview with the comedian. I don't remember his name, but he was. Yeah growing up in a Christian setting and he didn't do any blue jokes or anything like that. And he said that he learned so much from his atheist uh, comedian friends, because you know, in a, in a hotel a lot of times they have a little room there where you can get stuff and a lot of times the desk clerk is gone so you could just walk off with stuff. And, and this guy who's the Christian says, well, why don't you just walk off with this stuff? And the atheist says, no, that wouldn't be good. That would destroy the social fabric if we were to do that. And so he learned from that that you don't necessarily have to, like, have all these rules to be able to, to believe that you're doing good out there in the world, so. Yeah.
3: Well,
0: let's get back to what you could take away from this.
3: Well,
5: the thing that I was thinking about is an experience I had on Monday, so I'm doing yoga downstairs, and... A warrior two, and I'm going like this, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm away over by the windows, and I'm seeing I'm taller, I'm not as flexible, and everybody else is like much lower. I can see all over them, and I'm thinking, Man, that looks crappy. And then I caught myself and said, You know, that's not the point, but you know, that little
3: sort of yeah, and I knew that already, and it was just sort of a slip kind
5: of thing, but that sort of illustrates how you really got to, you got to pay attention to that inner stuff and not pay attention so much to the outer stuff. So. Yeah. But, you know, that, I was disappointed in myself for a while. Oh. <laughs> Doing that, it was
0: like, It's wow. a pattern, though. It's just a, it's an old bad habit. It's right. that It's that, the mode of the mind, that's why meditation can be, Yeah. that's why we start as right. babies.
5: And I think I've come a long way. You know, when I first started, I was really worried. Am I you know, doing it right? Do I look okay? And after a while, it's just like I'm doing it. I feel good doing it. And you know, I see other people and then you used to judge, you know, you'd say, oh, that person did better. I want to do it like that. And then you realize, well, it doesn't matter. It. So I observe now and I don't judge. I just say, oh, that's interesting. That person's doing this or that. You know, so I can tell there's been changes. So you know, me, as part of the practice. Yeah. And but if I'm doing yeah and I just keep my eyes closed. Exactly.
3: I mean.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, be, you know, like when I first started, you know, if you know I couldn't do my forward fold the same way I did it the last week, you know, it's like, wait a minute, what am I doing wrong? you know, instead of realizing that it's, you know, the body is different from week to week. Mm-hmm. You're in a different mindset, or you're. You know, so it's, you know, accepting who you are in the moment that you're there, you know, and working from there instead of trying to go back or beat yourself up or, you know. And, you know, I mean, I've tried many, many forms of exercise, you know, and trainers and, you know, always trying to push you forward, you know, you gotta do this better, you gotta do faster, you gotta do more, you know, and with yoga, You know, just the physical part is, you know, being able just to be who you are right then, you know, and accept that. Amen.
5: (laughs) But I also feel like I I am growing in some ways because recently I thought you're a downward dog and you're going to forward fold and how people jump. I don't know exactly what that's called. But somehow I feel a calling to try that and it's not like I'm trying to show off but it just feels like I'm at that stage where I want to see if I can do that and try that
0: see you're getting younger dude I guess <laughs> that's all I that
5: <laughs> so you know that's the kind of thing that, that comes up for me is you know there's some things I just I'm, I might might or might not do I just can't tell well
0: and in the last few minutes I want to hear from you through what you all take away from this tonight or if you gained anything from this I hope you did um or what you found most interesting or whatever. So any, any one of you would like to go first?
6: Well, I mean, there's a lot more. I can see yeah. yeah. I'll get the book. <laughs> cool. Um, well, you'll
0: you'll read this in teacher training. And then, um, this is part of the teacher training. Great. Well, that's kind of where I
6: was going to go with that. I mean,
0: it really changes my not
6: even going into it idea of what teacher training really is. Yeah. Because I was thinking it's the Osan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And everybody can learn how to do the poses and some adjustments and that. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's
0: a lot more to so. And you're right. The way in which the rest of it integrates with you will be completely unique to the journey you have been on up until that point, when you become initiated into it. And that is, that's so special, because that's yours forever.
6: Well, and, and, and part of what people have talked about um, is that uh, teacher
0: training? Even if you, if you even if you don't decide to t- to teach, yeah. deepens your practice. Right. Absolutely. It it deepens the off the mat stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. It will change. People always say this about teacher training. Oh, it transforms your life. And now you know why. Because mm. like we're not we're cooking with fire. Yep. We're cooking with grease. Yeah. Thank you. Who wants to go first here? Um. Final. Give you guys the final word.
4: So, yeah, um, I just really love what everyone else is saying um, because it's just, um, that's been my experience with with yoga myself, um, but then also, uh, you know, off the mat. So then, for example, now when I do something in yoga where I flop over and there's like, you know, a bunch of people watching, or not watching, but, you know, in my mind, they're all watching me, (laughs) and I just screw something up, you know, whatever move, and, um and I just don't care. I'm just like, ah, ha, ha. like. And in the past, I would have beaten myself up, or you know, I would be meditating, and I'm like, oh, like, you know, is the timer on? And I have to open my eye and peek because I'm, th- I'm sure the timer's, you know, supposed to have gone off, but no, you know. And in the past, I'd be like, oh man, I can't get it. And today, whenever, whenever I do anything, whenever I make a mistake, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm imperfect. I'm human. I get to make mistakes. I get to make the same mistakes over and over again. <laughs> and not beat myself up about it you know um, and I can I can totally wholly love and accept exactly who I am and still want to be changed and, and want to be better and I love what you said Steve mm, about is. wanting to um, check out you know you see some other people doing something um, and say oh can I do that and how can I incorporate that and it's not even that like I'm not okay with where I'm at but I'm just like oh look at that and if I if I have the urge or the vision to try it I, I will and um, and then so same thing like with, with everything off, off of life too then um, when I used to speak in things like this, I would leave afterwards and be like, why did you say anything? Nobody cares about what you have to say, no, 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 you know, or whatever, and I'd do this thing where I'd be, you know, mind bashing myself or whatnot, and it's just like, well, it was perfect, it was fine, It's whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, so I just love that we can all sort of take all that, the, the thing of nonviolence and the concentration as well. It's, um, you know, sort of um, getting all the way up to that point. For me, I mean, just to able to see from the very beginning as I've continued to, to practice, um, taking each step of the time, each uh, limb of yoga one at a time, is, has really come together for me in my life, and so much now that, um, like I, I, quit my job six weeks ago, and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna give myself to the universe, and I don't know what's going on, and and I and I do, I can feel fear, and I can feel, um, you know, uncomfortable emotions, and yet I can still have like this contentment and this concentration and this trust, and so it's. It's just really wonderful to hear um, all of your guys' perspective, and what I really gained from this tonight is I'm like, yeah, I need to go pull out some of my books and relearn some, because <laughs> I know a lot of it more in like the Western language, and I've, it's been a long time since I did my teacher training several years ago, and now I'm um, am just more interested, and I'm like, oh, I need to grab out some of my books and kind of learn this language again, too, so.
0: I just want to reiterate real quick before I pass over to you, because you said it really fast, and I think this is the most important thing in terms of beginner mindset. Were, we, were you talking about beginner mindset tonight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. Oh, it was right before this started. Some gal was talking about beginner mindset. Sorry, I'll speak up. Um, but you said holding simultaneously the ability to accept who you are exactly as you are right now and allowing yoga to evolve you and grow you and change you. That is such a profound paradox that like when I was saying earlier about like oh what's cool about yoga is it turns the neural the neural body it's like actually that's that's just a byproduct of what you just said so thank you for saying that because I, I really think like that is where it all begins that is the initiation is so once you find yourself on that step that is where it all begins okay so sorry to delay you well, I
1: would like to say a few things please do first of all I think of this as schoolhouse earth schoolhouse (laughs) or spiritually (laughs) you know and so you meet people who are in kindergarten and people who are working on the post, you know doctorate degrees and everything in between um i did a workshop recently i was i attended a workshop i didn't do it i attended a workshop on equanimity with a really cool buddhist teacher karen is fabulous and the very first exercise she said i went. I know this from the Cambio yoga studio, the balancing, the, 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 the breathing one notch, select all the other, and then switch it back. And the first thing we did was five minutes of that. And so I find that the yoga, of course, really helps my meditation, as well as my posture. I only have, you know, who knows how many decades, probably four, four or five decades of bad posture to feel. Um Let's see, as far as judging oneself, I have an idea about how that works. I know how I do it for myself. And I think, and I want to bring up ego. It's difficult to be self-aware and self-assessing. I mean, that's the good part of it, a lot of self-esteem. You know, so that has yeah, consciousness. I mean, I like that, so we're aware. And the, the negative part, though, is vanities. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with being self-aware, but I think that's all to the good, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try to be real conscious not to feed my own power. Um, and
3: as a human being, I have to give myself permission to make mistakes.
1: And you're right about me won't make the same mistake more than once. And I still tell myself, okay, John, how many times have I been able to repeat this mistake before I learn it? Something else from, from a business model like that. I have. I'm a, a manager. If you make a different mistake every time, that's fine. That's learning, and in psychology, that's one trial learning. That's genius level. So if you make a mistake a few times, it's okay. <laughs> There's probably more I babble on about, but nothing else. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. I
0: also like to end with us taking a fortune cookie. And at least mm-hmm. cracking it open. You don't have to eat the cookie because I don't really like cookies. But let's find out what our fortune is. Oh,
5: cookies. I What's your I say? I you say? <laughs> What's your say? Mine says the world will soon be ready to receive your talents.
4: I couldn't You agree got more. mine. Give it here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's be mine. <laughs> What's your say? Mine says a small act of charity will go a long way. Yeah, I know. That's good, because I'm actually getting
2: involved in a bunch of nonprofits right now.
0: Okay, I don't like this one. <laughs> What's
2: it say? You will soon be the center of attention. <laughs> 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 you don't like it. What's yours say? Right Something wonderful <laughs> will soon happen. Something
0: wonderful will soon happen. <laughs> I'm doing hot
1: yoga with Morgan tomorrow morning. There you Yay! go. Monty?
6: <laughs> I like this. Uh, you'll make a change for the better.
0: That's a good one. That is good. Mine says you will have many friends when you need them. You guys, thank you for being here tonight. I hope that um, I hope that you'll come again, and I really appreciate the energy that you share. So truly, Namaste. Namaste. Yes.
1: Thank
3: you.